You're listening to the Becoming Me podcast on the Creative Church Podcast Network, where we share stories of people becoming who they were made to be. My name is Emily Cummins. This week, Gary Molander is sharing his becoming story. Gary has been married to Angela for 30 years and is the father of three daughters. Gary served as a creative arts pastor in the local church for 17 years and received his master's degree in creative arts. He is the creative inspiration behind the Football Sunday documentary series and leads the team at Floodgate Productions. Gary is the author of Pursuing Christ, Creating Art, and is the president and founder of the Floodgate Foundation. Here is my conversation with Gary Molander. Well, hey, Becoming Me, I'm so excited to introduce you to Gary today. Gary, welcome to the Becoming Me podcast. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. It is so good to have you here. And y'all, I have to tell you, Gary and I were laughing um, before we scheduled this interview. (laughs) We actually were at the same conference, sitting at the same table, and didn't realize who the other one was (laughs) until uh, we, we saw, hey, you're on my calendar for this Becoming Me podcast. So... I have all the respect in the world for Gary and his family. I've had the privilege of meeting one of his daughters, and y'all, this is a great, great family. Um, So, Gary, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Who is Gary? Absolutely. Thanks for the comments about my family, too. Um, (laughs) You need to meet their mom because (laughs) she's she's the key to the whole thing. Uh, But so I am, uh, my name's Gary, and and I own a company called Floodgate Productions, and we make media for the church, but we also do a lot of private client work. We're a film company. And uh, one of the greatest joys of my life is that I get to sit down with high profile athletes and interview them and then turn around a little four to five minutes, sort of a mini documentary, kind of an ESPN 30 for 30 type of thing. And uh, that has just been so much fun for me. It's something I never saw coming and uh, like owning my own company and and doing such amazing uh, faith-based work and actually making a living on it. I mean, no one's getting rich around here, but at least, <laughs> you know, at least you can yeah. make a living on it. And so for me, that's that's what I do kind of all day, every day. Uh, it's, it's just a great place for me to be. And I think I finally found, I'm 54 years old, and I think I finally found my truest calling, and I think mm. this is it. So, that's so cool. Yeah. I love that, that's awesome. You know, so you, you've been on a journey and even with what you just shared, finally discovering what you think your true calling is. I mean, what's your story? Walk us through your journey of what's made you who you are today. Hmm. So hang on. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) I think it would be really helpful to, to divide my story up into two parts. The first half of my life, which would be the first 38, 39, 40 years. And then the second half. And so I think if I was to have to title the first half of my life, it would be a story of hiding, Mm. of hiding me and of hiding who I really am. Um, I was a, when I was a little guy, I was eight, nine years old and I had, I was a pitcher in a little league uh, and I had this wicked slider and like people told me I, I could actually go to college and play ball. Wow. And so I'm playing in little league and my dad was the coach and I was pitching and just mowing guys down like no they couldn't hit me and I was really feeling good and 
my dad came out to the mound in the middle of the game and he took me out. Wow. And he never told me why. So later, uh, years later, I said, hey, why'd you take me out that game? He said, the other coach came over to me and said, we can't hit that guy. Would you please put in someone else our players can hit so they can at least practice? So here's the message that the nine-year-old version of me heard. The nine-year-old version of me heard, hide your strength. Hmm. So don't walk into the room and own it. Don't walk into any room. Don't walk into any anything uh, and be strong. Instead, hide it. Wow. Um, later in my, in my teenage years, uh, or my end of my teenage years, I began dating this gal. And we were pretty serious. And we were doing all the wrong things that good Christian teenagers should be <laughs> doing. I won't go anything. <laughs> but, you know... Um, and I remember we, we argued and bickered constantly. And I remember mm. one of our arguments, she just let loose on me. And she said, Gary, why are you so sensitive? I wish you weren't as sensitive. So in that, you know, again, it's mm. all about the message you receive. Yeah. And for her, it was just a moment. But for me, the message I received was um, hide your feelings and emotions. Mm. So hide your strength, hide your feelings and emotions. Then I was called to ministry and uh, full-time ministry. And so I went to college and I got my degree in youth ministry and I was interviewing for a youth ministry job. And all these old guys, old men, were sitting around a table interviewing the 23-year-old version of me. And it was a super conservative church and they began to ask me very personal questions. And they're the the vibe of the room or the vibe of this place where we were was if I tell the truth about my past and my, my dating and my, my sinning, um, I'm not going to get hired. Hmm. So I lied and I hid it. And so they asked me, do you have a past? And I'm like, not really. And so what I learned there is to hide my brokenness to hide who I really am. And so the story is building in my life of hiding. And I began full-time ministry and I got married at age 25 and I was thrust into this full-time position at church. And the basic message I, I started living out was be a good Christian at church, keep hiding your strength, act like you're stronger or act like um, you're not as emotional as you really are. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and just that's the way that people will grow in Christ. You can't let them see you, though. Hmm. That was the message. And um, so when you live a life like that, of saying yes to everybody and hiding who you really are, it has to come out somewhere. Yeah. And for me, it came out in my marriage. I was the angriest husband. I was the angriest father you've ever seen. Mm. I was just ticked all the time. And I had no idea why. And I went to counseling and they, they, it didn't really help. And so I stayed 17 years in full-time ministry. I went and got my MDiv. I, got, I, I mean, I'm married, buried, preached, led worship. The whole deal. Planted a church. All of it. And... Uh, I was 40 years old 
And one night, um, I, I was... I was absolutely dejected and tired and overwhelmed all the time. And I was lying on the couch getting ready for the Rams to play the Steelers in November. And it was a Monday night. And as you know, Mondays are, are recovery days right, <laughs> oh, yeah. for people who work in church. Uh, except senior pastors. Senior pastors, for whatever reason, have vision on Mondays. So none, of re- <laughs> none of the rest of us do. We're just sleeping. Uh, but <laughs> anyway... I'm, I'm lying on the couch with my remote in my hand and I'm getting ready to watch the game. And my youngest daughter, who was eight years old at the time, walked into me and she said, Hey dad, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah, sure. What's up? She said, why are you always tired or Mm, mad? Wow. Why are you always tired or mad? And of course that just ticked me off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I went through the night, the Rams lost and oh. like they always do. And I was just ticked at that because I'm a Rams fan. And, and then, um, and then my wife, Angela and I walked out into the, uh, the garage and I've always wanted one of those clean garages and we've never had one of those because Angela and I have always differed on that. Okay. We got into a monumental argument. So it was it was one mm. thing building up to another, building up to another, and the argument over garage cleanliness was let loose all over the house and I completely lost it. I wow. said things I that I've never said before and I'll never repeat and I'll never say again to my kids and to my wife. My all three daughters ran for their rooms, scared to death of my whatever my wrath, my whatever I was going Mm. through. And my wife had to get in the middle. She had to tell me to back down. And obviously I ended up sleeping on the couch that night. Angela woke me up the next morning and said, this is it. Mm. We're done. It's either, it's either ministry or your family. You pick. Hmm. Now, for my wife to say that was was a big deal because she's not confrontational. She's very much of a peacemaker. She loves just sort of, you know, she's a follower. She loves just going with the vibe, whatever that is. So for her to say that was huge. Absolutely. And I, uh, so I made an appointment with my senior pastor and I walked in and met with the board the very next day and said, I'm done. I quit. Wow. And so uh, I quit to nothing. I quit to not having a job. I quit to nothing. And two months later, they did the party for me and they did the, you know, the yay Gary and Mm. Angela thing. And, you know, you've impacted our lives. But the moment, the moment of change for me from hiding Mm. who I really am, hiding all of these things was when I stood up on a Sunday morning and I said these words, I said, I'm leaving pastoral ministry to save my family because I have wrecked it. Mm. Wow. It was the most non-hiding coming out (laughs) that that anyone could ever do. Wow. So, um, do you want me to keep going? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's like a cliffhanger there. What happened next? Okay. Okay. What happened next? You did warn us at the beginning that you said, hang on. I mean, (laughs) no, I mean, what an incredible turning point and inciting incident. 
So, I mean, I, what happened next? It really was. It really was a turning point for me. So I quit ministry. And the very next morning after my last day, I found myself lying on the, uh, just kind of collapsed in the fetal position, honestly, on the mm. living room floor crying. Uh, and I was crying for the loss of something and I didn't know what it was, but mm. I look back now and I realized it was the loss of identity. Yeah. I had put so much identity in being a pastor and in having the name, you know, Pastor Gary. I even, I even got to the point where when I would do welcome and announcements, you know, at church, yeah. I would say, Hey, my name's Pastor Gary. And I look back on that and I'm thinking that that's so stupid. That, that <laughs> past, my name is Pastor Gary. What mm. a, what a statement of identity. So uh, I began to rebuild, and more importantly, God began to rebuild my identity. Hmm. And he helped me see that the only identity worth um, celebrating is the identity of as, as a child of God. Yeah. That's it. It's the only thing that will never leave. And so I began to, while God began to rebuild my identity, I had to do something for work. And so somewhere along the line, I had, I had learned to edit video this okay. is back in the day so we didn't have all the modern technology that we did but I, I knew what I knew how to tell a good story and so we started um, a buddy of mine and I started a film uh, a film company and wow. we started doing videos for churches and there was this thing called sermon spice that had just yeah. launched just started I'm like I got three videos hmm I wonder if anybody would want to buy them <laughs> yeah. so I gave them to sermon spice <laughs> And at the end of the month, I got a $1,500 check. Wow. Yeah. And I thought, okay, this is a business model. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And so, um, so we began building our library at Floodgate Productions. And now, you know, we're, we do pretty well there. Uh, churches download our stuff literally every weekend all over the world. Wow. And um, so that's pretty cool. Absolutely. In, in 2010... I decided to write every, all this stuff down uh, in a book to artists and creatives in the church. And I launched a little self-published book. Frankly, it was just more therapy for me. It was kind of a memoir meets, let me help you if you work in the church. That's, that's awesome. What, that's, that's all it is. And again, it was self-published and I spent so much more money than I should have. And it was before Amazon did their self-publishing thing and yada, yada. And um, it this little book took off wow. and people who work in churches, uh, especially creative art, artsy people who work in churches, they all picked it up and it kind of took on this little cult following. It was the weirdest thing ever. And so I began to get, I mean, I really thought I was done. I thought I, I thought mm. standing before the congregation that day, I thought I was done ministering. I, mm. I would volunteer in a church, but never have a, I could never in a million years imagine having a ministry with people mm, that's significant yeah. ever again. I thought I blew it. And here God is saying, no, 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 no. That was just a setback. Mm. Now that you're telling the truth about everything and not hiding, uh, hang on for the ride of your life, buddy. Mm. And so I, re I wrote the book, it launched, and I started speaking everywhere and to to teams of creative people in churches and just encouraging them and trying to support them, trying to help them understand what their lead pastor is saying yeah. and, and wanting from them and just trying to 
trying to just encourage them. Um, and so I was, uh, I was off and running. I mean, it was, I was in a really good place, really good. And I felt like God was blessing. He, he definitely was. And, um, and then that same year, I lost both my parents and they were mm. old and, uh, but within three months of each other, I lost them. And so I started, that was probably the first grief that I really experienced. Then four years later, um, everything was moving and grooving. And I was like, man, this is, this is what redemption feels like. This is it. And in 2014, I woke up with a headache mm. and, uh, the next morning I woke up with the same headache and next morning I woke up with the same headache and anyway this this day headache turned into weeks turned it which turned into months and it it was I was diagnosed as having chronic migraines wow and so I had I don't know if you've ever had a migraine before but I for people who do they'll appreciate that I had 60 straight days of migraines Mm, that's awful it was awful and it it I couldn't work I couldn't do anything I couldn't be a husband I couldn't be a father I couldn't do anything. I just kept lying in bed and staring at the ceiling and closing my eyes. And, and, um, and then that turned, it didn't turn into, but in addition to that, I blew out my low back. Mm. And so I've got these daily migraines and my back is, I can't walk. Oh, that's awful. So the only, yeah, it, it, it was, it was a terrible, a season of my life and it lasted for four years. So I got the migraines under control. We figured out what was going on there. We also figured out that I had um, a problem with my neck. And so I got mm. a, I got a, a disc replacement surgery in my neck, but the back was still a big deal. And in the last three, three years, I, I won't go into it too much. I've had four back surgeries. Wow. And they're all the, the open up kind of oh my right they're that so I'm fused they call it a fusion at oh four levels in my low back now wow and I'm recovering from my latest surgery I'm about 20 weeks out as we record this wow so um it was and I'm not out of that yet like I'm not like I, I want right. to I want to be a good Christian here and I want to <laughs> I want to uh I want to put a bow on all this <laughs> There's no bow yet. Yeah. There's really not. And, um, and so as we sit here recording today, I'm back at work. I'm back to speaking again. I'm getting back into the swing of things. But I've, I had a Job-like experience mm. where God was absolutely silent. I was yelling and screaming for him, not even to heal me, just for a word, just for anything. And I couldn't hear his voice. It was really the dark, the darkest possible night of my soul. Um, wow. And what I learned in the process was every time I'd say, God, speak to me, he'd send me somebody to help me. Hmm. So it wasn't like I was looking for him to speak one way. <laughs> yeah. And he'd say, hey, I'm going to accidentally have you bump into this physical therapist who knows your problem. Wow. And he did. Then I'm going to get you in with the best spine surgeon in California, maybe in the United States. And he's going to take a liking to you and he's going to do whatever it takes to help you. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. You know, and so I'm like, God, just give me a word. Give me something, man. I'm dying (laughs) here. And God's like, I'll do better. Mm. I'll 
I'll give you healers. Wow. And you don't know them, but I'm going to give them to you. That's powerful. So that's where I'm at now. Um, that's exactly where I'm at now. That's the version of me that I'm becoming. I mean, thank you for walking us through your journey. And I love the fact that you are, there's no bow tied yet, like you mentioned, mm. um, because that's so becoming. I was talking with another friend and she was sharing how we want, you know, that mountaintop experience. We just want to get to the top of the mountain, see the full view, say we've arrived, yet that's not the process of becoming. Becoming is the walk towards the top of the mountain. That's exactly right. And it's what happens on the way. And, you know, this podcast is called Becoming Me and, and mm. you've mentioned who you're becoming in this process. So what did those two words, becoming me, mean to you? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I, I, uh, I think that becoming me, as you've said, we want to, we want to arrive. We want the bow. We want the mountaintop. We want our secret dreams and desires to happen. And then we want to look down or around at everybody else and say, I've arrived. And then we want to help other people arrive too. Mm -hmm. um, and I've just learned that, and this might be a bold statement, but I think I should probably say it. I'd, I'm not convinced we arrive on this earth. Yep, I agree. I just don't think, I don't think there is a mountain top. I don't think there is an arrival point. I just don't think so. You, you know, it, it's funny. I just, God just brought this thought to my mind. Um, when I was a young youth pastor, I, I was sitting with a 40-year-old elder man, and I was just asking him questions about life. And his, he, he, I don't remember any of the questions or any of the answers except this one thing he said. He said, uh, and he's an elder in the church, mind you. He said, Gary, he said, I'm 40 years old. And he says, if you think I'm going to change for the rest of my life, you're badly mistaken. Wow. And I remember him saying that and thinking to myself, oh, good Lord, when I'm 40, I feel like it's just beginning. Yeah. Like he, he had drawn a line in the sand and said, I've arrived. Right. I hate that. <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> so becoming me is, it's the spirit of God working in you and through you. Mm. It's him allowing you to live in the desert for longer than you think you could. It's him giving you a platform and it's a it's reminding you the whole time that if there's an arrival point, it's the identity arrival point. Mm, that is, yes. you are my child. Yes. You are my daughter. You are my son. Yep. And that's it. That's it. I mean, I could not agree with you more. I say often, like, if you if you stopped growing, if you stopped becoming, like, you're dead. Like, I mean, yeah. on this side of eternity, yeah. we should always be growing, evolving, changing, becoming who we are made to be. And I like that you followed that up, though, with if there is an arrival, it's in our identity and rooting that in Christ. And that is so true. Like, that is a constant and it doesn't change. Mm. Um, but it mm. often does take a process to get to that point of identity, like you shared mm. in your story. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. Now, are yeah. you a coffee drinker? 
Absolutely. Oh, good. You know, I have some people on the podcast who are like, I don't drink coffee or whatever. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. All the time. <laughs> yes. Every, all the time, every time. Yes. Perfect. Me too. So if you were having a cup of coffee with another person on their own becoming journey, what mm. would you say to encourage them? Hmm. You know, it's interesting because I do have that coffee with quite a few people these days. And That's I have awesome. in the past since since the book came out. In 2010, um, I told God that I'd have coffee with a lot of people if he wanted me to do that. And so I've had that coffee. And sometimes the coffee's over the phone. You know, sometimes Absolutely. it's a different place in the United States or even the world. But sometimes it's in person. And so um, I think I would say two things. And we've sort of, we've danced around them already, but I'll, I'll just say them. Um, my story would tell anybody else listening that you can quit hiding. Hmm, yes. Um, you can quit hiding even if it costs you your job. Yep. You can quit hiding your strength. You can be you can be the strong one in the room. You can be strong and give your opinion when it's appropriate. You don't have to be quiet. Um, you can you can quit hiding your secret dreams of launching your own business or even launching your own church. Yeah. Um, you can quit hiding your personal brokenness. You can quit telling stories about way back then when I was broken, but not, not anymore. Hmm. You can tell stories in the middle of your brokenness. Yes. Yep. Um, you can be sensitive. You can say, ouch, that hurt. That, what that, that, what that person said at church about the video thing or (laughs) about how, about, the drums are too loud or about the whatever, you know, about the website, whatever it is, you can just say that, that out, that hurts. That hurts. You can say words like I'm, I'm struggling to separate who I am from what I do. You can say that and, and it's okay. You don't have to pretend that you got it all, uh, all under control. Like just because you're in the position of some spiritual leadership, it's just BS. It really is. To, to lie like that and to, to hide like that, it's just not where someone wants to be. And I always tell people this, and I learned this, God never calls us to be nearly perfect. Hmm. He actually calls us to be broken and to offer people Jesus anyway. Hmm. That is such a cool statement. Um, so that's kind of the first thing I would say to someone over coffee. I'd say, you can quit hiding. And then I'd say what we've already said together, and that is becoming who you are isn't a destination, yeah. right? It's just, it just isn't. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a beautiful and it's a scary process of becoming every day. There's a lot of fear involved. And, and I think that, I know for me, there was a lot of fear and tons of pain yeah. involved, um, I even, I even wonder if we'll still be becoming in the next life. Like I still, yeah. I've thought about that a lot. I mean, how boring would it be to be, to quit learning and growing and morphing and getting teary eyed at the beauty of it all, right? I, mean, I just don't want to do that. And I think we'll still be becoming even in the presence of God. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Very cool. I mean, thank you so much for unpacking your story, your journey, and challenging us to become who we were made to be as well. Just the invitation to be honest and take off the mask is so freeing and refreshing. 
Um, so thank you so much. I appreciate it. And if somebody were listening right now and they're like, man, I really would like to read Gary's book. I'd like to connect with him, follow along on his journey. Where could they go to connect with you? Sure. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, I really appreciate it, Emily. Thanks for having me on this. It's just absolutely. Been, it's been a kick. Um, so if anybody wants to read the book, it's on Amazon it, uh, now. It's called Pursuing Christ, Creating Art. Awesome. And um, my uh, <laughs> my experience with my own self is that I got those two turned around a lot. I pursued mm. art and I created Christ. And so I want to make sure we don't get those two turned around. Let's pursue Christ and then create art as a byproduct of that relationship. Mm. That's what the book's about. That's awesome. So you can, so you can go on Amazon um, and, and, get, and get it there. And then I blog regularly at GaryMoe.com and, um, you know, Twitter, Gary Moe, all of it. I'm sure you'll have it in the show That's notes. That's awesome. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yes. For all of you listening, we'll have all of these links um, in our notes so that way you can easily connect with Gary. But Gary, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, sharing the journey of who you are and who you're becoming. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a blast. To learn more about Gary and connect with him, visit the podcast episode page on our website at becomingme.tv. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Becoming Me podcast on the Creative Church Podcast Network. For more information about Becoming Me, visit us at becomingme.tv. Also connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with at becomingme.tv. And connect with us at creativechurch.com. That's C-R-T-V-Church.com. You can also connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook with at creativechurch.com.